Sports. The most unusual goal line defense in the history of college football happened in 1976 during a game in Gainesville between Florida and SEC rival Auburn. The Gators were trailing 19-17 in the final minutes of the contest when Florida receiver Wes Chandler caught a pass at his own 30 and managed to shake two defenders and break into the clear. The speedy Chandler had nothing but daylight as he dashed for the end zone, but as he reached the goal line, he was suddenly attacked by his opponent's real animal mascot, the Auburn War Eagle, which had escaped from its handler. The War Eagle landed on Chandler's shoulder pads and started angrily attacking him, viciously pecking at him with its beak as the wide receiver stumbled into the end zone. The feisty foul was finally pulled off Chandler, and Auburn was assessed a 15-yard penalty for unsportsmanlike conduct by its mascot. Another college moment that lives forever is one of our little-known legends of sports. I'm Matt Vaskersian. Imagine buying a pair of sneakers and getting a soothing, gentle foot massage like you'd get during a relaxing pedicure just by walking. Skechers' new Massage Fit Sneakers. Because Skechers, the comfort technology company, has designed a unique innovation that makes it feel like you're pampering your feet with a gentle massage in every step. The secret is Skechers' new patented wave technology on the sole that gently massages your feet while you're walking around. Find them for men and women at a Skechers store, Skechers.com, or wherever stylish footwear is sold. This week at Staples, save 60% on... Thanks for your business this year. Save 60% on... Happy Holidays, Nana! Save 60% on... You are cordially invited. Right now at Staples, you can save 60% on custom printed holiday cards and invitations. So you can say, thanks for a great year, happy holidays, or come on over, all for less. For everything you need printed this holiday, go to Staples, the working and learning store. In-store and online. Ends 12-3. Exclusions and restrictions apply. The Joe Beaver Show is on the air. 22. What do you mean 22? After all the uncertainties of the past two years, there's been an expectation and a hope for a more normal 22-23. But now the question is... USC and UCLA do. They're both Big Ten schools. Yeah. But where does that leave the rest of us? Who could possibly answer that question in this strange new era of analytics? Mad transfers. How did it get hit? Well, it looks to me like you portaled it. A what? You know, portal from wherever you were to here. What's that? It's a, a different kind of portal. Oh, it's just changed so radically, and we're all. And realignments. They're both big ten schools. Yeah. All we do know is the boys are back, and the Joe Beaver Show plots its own course. Now there are a few more topics that we have to cover, and we will not talk about transfers, and we will not talk about my mother. We will talk about what I want to talk about. Fair enough. Who's next? Joe Beaver is. On 1240 Joe Radio. Good morning, everybody, and welcome in. Mike Parker, John Warren with you until 1 o'clock. A very busy noon hour with respect to guests, and we hope a busy hour with respect to your participation via the Downward Dog phone line, 541-497-5356, or the University Honda text line, the same number, 497 497- Five three five six. Your thoughts about the one hundred twenty sixth game, the rivalry game, the football game formerly known as the Civil War, 
and not always known as the Civil War. That really didn't come into vogue until 18, uh, not 18, 1929. 1929, Cap McEwen, the head football coach at Oregon, referred to it as this great civil war, you know, invoking a phrase from Abraham Lincoln. But the great civil war, and then L.H. Gregory, the Oregonian columnist, picked it up. And from that point on, not officially, there was never any official moment. This game is now officially known right, as right. the civil war, but it just, in popular usage, became that. The Civil War. Carrie Eggers' book is called The Civil War Rivalry. Hmm. But Oregonian columnists, there have been a long and I think a pretty distinguished line of them through the years. Uh-huh. Times have changed, Johnny, to the point that the columnist proper for a newspaper doesn't feel quite the same in terms of the role that we grew up with and uh, in a very real sense, enjoyed and looked Correct. to. Correct. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Columnists back in my early formative days of watching sports and caring about them would be the first place I would go to after a game that I'd seen the day before. What did so-and-so have to say about it? And in particular, I'm, I'm giving up my, not necessarily, yeah. well, in my roots in this state, a columnist that I really enjoyed in the 70s and 80s before he took his act north was Blaine Noonan for the Register Guard. Mm-hmm. And he was succeeded by Bud Withers. And then Bud was succeeded by Ron Bellamy. So that newspaper down there, I thought, did an excellent job yeah. in the columnist world. But Noonan was, I thought he captured things as well as any columnist that I've come across through the years in the state. He, I only read him for the what, however many years it was before he headed north, but I thought he was really good at capturing and even at times having almost a poetic lilt to how he would, I think one of the games after Oregon lost a close, tough game to Washington or something, he said he'd, the locker room was strewn with wilted roses. You know, that's how he begins or something to that effect that's, with, that's with hopes blown up again. Whatever the case may be, that's good. I liked Blaine and I liked his work. Yeah. But through the years, Dwight at the Oregonian and and uh, Canzano at the Oregonian, mm-hmm. other must hey, read Terry Fry. Terry Fry and Steve Dean, and yeah. you, these are people that whether you like them or not, you 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 like them enough, you respect them enough, they have enough place that you go to them to see what you want to see what they had to say, and you know with John with Canzano. He, after games, after the Beavers play a game, one of the first things I'll you know start looking for online, what did what did Dashiell say about the game or right. what did John right. has Canzano written a column yet? What did Wilner say? Wilner's carved out this spot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Were you looking for more than just the beat writer's approach, although that's what Nick is and does a great job of it. Uh, and why don't you talk a little bit about some of the columnists you've enjoyed too, yeah, Dwight and yeah. others through the years? Uh, I love Steve Dean, and uh, Steve Dean left to go into politics. I think to the PI up in Seattle, and came back to the Oregonian. Steve Dean, way back in the seventies, loved Dwight. Um, Terry Fry was good. Um, trying to think of some others that were really good. I always thought. I always thought that uh, columnists were 
supposed to stir the pot because it seemed like all the ones that I liked did. So really, I ask you that. Is that really true? Or was it just a run of three or four in a row that did that in that stirring the pot was part of the job? Is that is that yeah, right? I do think, Johnny, but that... But then again, you got George Passero, who was just the nicest person he was. A, he was a very upbeat, positive person. And an upbeat person. writer. Yeah. He, Not, although... He could he could kind of give you a little bit of the needle here and there, but he did so usually with kind of a twinkle in his eye. Yeah. All of this to say, Bill Oram, O R A M, raised in Tillamook County. I'm hoping that Doc Fink, if you're listening, Steve, I think Steve is heading off to Seaside if he hasn't already, so he may not be, but I know he listens to us often. <coughs> he, born and reared in Tillamook, which I would think is in Tillamook County. But I'm just wondering, Bill Oram is a seventh-generation Tillamook County Oregonian. You're kidding me. No, seventh-generation. Now, whether... My in-laws know his family, I guarantee. Well, there you go. See, now, whether the city of Tillamook proper, I don't know. Bay Bay City? Is there a Bay City up there? Yeah, yeah. Okay, the Kilchis, beautiful Kilchis River. Anyway, Bill Oram. I had relatives that lived right on the Kilchis, and we would go visit Paul and Peggy Parker on their place on the Kilchis, as a, and when we would come up from Southern California to their beautiful place. And I, I remember enjoying that part of the world as a youngster would make the long drives north. Bill Orham's a seventh-generation Tillamook hmm. County wow. Oregonian who moved away and was a beat writer for the L.A. Lakers, covered Pretty the Lakers day. for nine years. That's a good day. And in his bio, it's uh, LeBron James says, don't listen to that guy. He doesn't know what he's talking about. No. So <laughs> That's we'll, another thing they call him, too. They, they <laughs> yeah, upset the uh, athletes. So Bill will Jason join Quick. us. Bill, that's right. <laughs> Bill will join us at 12.05. He's written a column. It just got released. Have any of you seen it? I just read it. I'm mentioned in the column. My wife's mentioned in the column. I think my daughter's mentioned in the column. So all of these things, uh, I, I want to reread it because I had to do a quick read when it first came to my attention. When I confirmed with Bill that he would join us at 12.05, I wasn't calling Bill. And when we were talking about Bill Oram being on, I had... I had planned on having him on when I learned about a column he had been preparing and working on that I think is going to be released tomorrow. We'll get the uh, the story proper from Bill himself coming up at 12.05. A column on Tristan Jebbia. And Tristan hanging in, not transferring out, not having bitterness and anger towards Verone McKinley III for the hamstring yank mm. on the quarterback sneak that changed a lot of things for him, sure. for Chance Nolan, for the Beaver program. Uh, that hamstring pull when Jebbia had scored, maybe even on the previous play, and has to go at it again, or if they just would have called touchdown, they didn't, they unpiled, the hamstring gets pulled. Bill has evidently spent a long time with Tristan to share – from that conversation, a column about Tristan Jebbia, his long journey, his hanging in through it all, the, the bright, upbeat, thankful, positive attitude that he's brought to everything that he's done in his life, and even without bitterness towards Verone McKinley III, and he's written about a moment apparently those two players had last year down in Autzen, really, which was good. I think so. We'll get to Bill on all of that 
at 12.05, and then, but also talk to him about a column released today. <laughs> he advances a name for our rivalry series. He called yours truly while I was driving in the car a couple of days ago. He also told me that he called Jerry Allen and ran his idea. Bill Oram ran his idea by Jerry and by me, and my wife, Missy, was in the car. And so, as often happens, as we sort of, John, in the world we live in, waylay people away. If we have a conversation in a downtown cafe or in the supermarket line with somebody, and it's interesting to us, mm -hmm. that person ought to know that what you just said could end up being on the Joe Beaver Show in 20 minutes or <laughs> tomorrow or next week. Yeah. Because we're always, our ears are always out. We're reading and listening. Oh, did you hear what that, it's uh, that that clerk at the store said about this, that, or the other? It's notes from the community. Exactly. It's what's going on. Even, you know, what I said yesterday about the baristas at a coffee place. Mm -hmm. so I could tell they didn't know anything about sports, but they were talking about the game and what they were going to wear. And I, I made my uncle mad. My uncle, I made him mad when I wore a green and yellow shirt this week. I said, you can't wear green. All of that kind of stuff you hear and you end up kind of reporting back on the show. Bill Oram called to run his idea for the name of the rivalry to me. I'll share it with you, then we'll go to break and get your reaction if you haven't read the column. And the only reason I'm talking about it now is the column's out. Are you reading it now, John, as we go? Yeah, and one of his ideas was mine, and I said it on the air a couple of years ago. Say, go. Uh, the, the, the river rivalry. The river rivalry, yeah. yeah. And Keep reading. Keep reading it because yeah. you you haven't yet come to his suggestion. The meeting at the Willamette. That the, the river rivalry. I I came okay. up with those right. two. Okay. Right here on the air. Okay. <laughs> the Fault Line Classic. <laughs> keep going. Keep going. The really really big one. <laughs> <laughs> He's coming to his own. The Rich Brooks Donny Brook. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The reason he re he came up, he told me about that one. He's just throwing the stuff. The Pino War. Yeah. That's not bad. It's actually not bad, but then he said his reason for not going with that is you, you've got to have you don't want to have anything that excludes people that can't enjoy that. Because well, I suppose uh, the Bigfoot ball game. There you go. That's his idea. Bigfoot ball game. The Bigfoot ball game, with an honor, a nod to the legend and lore of Bigfoot in the Pacific Northwest. And in our state. That's how he ran it by me. He said, Mike, I've got a name for it. The big football game. But you've got to keep reading. Because now I know. I, I, so what's your initial gut level, visceral, big football game? No. No. Same here. Yeah. Same here. Just no. But if you read on. I will. I as we'll go to break. There are other ideas mentioned. I was sort of, as they say, I don't know why they say it or why I even said it, because I don't remember saying it growing up, but I was just sort of spitballing with Bill, not giving him, here's what I think it should be called, just throwing out ideas to Bill in conversation that I have. I have been giving it some thought lately, and I wonder what you think as we go to break. If you've read Orem's column, he he's advanced the Bigfoot ball game. But there's a play on words there that doesn't take too much work to, to, to see how it might work if you don't think about Sasquatch and just think about the wording itself, the words involved. 
it's actually pretty clever with some thought given by Bill, and I gave him credit for that, and I mentioned in the column, oh, okay, Bill, the more I think about it, the more I kind of like it. I'm not saying I want to commit to it, but my initial reaction was like John's, the Bigfoot ball game. What? Bigfoot? That's, you know, Sasquatch? That's not a Beaver State Oregonian thing. That's kind of a whole region of the area, and I don't think about it that much in terms of the state of Oregon. He said, oh, no, no, the the truck stops, and Boring has a Bigfoot festival. Boring, Oregon does. He goes on to say. So, but think about the play on words, how that could be changed, not just the Bigfoot ball game to if you separate the words. The big big football game. Which Cal calls theirs the big game, but See, nobody calls theirs uh, the big football game. Then it gets a little close to that. It, well, of course it's close, but it's not the same it thing. Might, it might, you know, it might rank. But nobody some... has it. That's true. <laughs> so, anyway, we're going to take a break. Is it important to name it? Are you okay with the rivalry game, the rivalry series? It doesn't, does it need a name? What do you think the name should be? We haven't done this for a couple of years since the story first broke that it was right, no longer right. going to be called the Civil War. We had a lot of fun with it and it really a lot of down. interesting ideas. It has, but Bill Orem has raised it again. Read his column if you can at OregonLive.com. Share your thoughts. I I threw around in spitball fashion the or. I'm trying to, I was thinking of, can you have an object? Can you have something that's awarded like an axe, like a, uh, the, the the little brown jug, all those sorts of objects that are at stake in a in a game. Could you have an? Uh, my thought was just again, sort of thinking out loud. The or war, oh play on o r war o a r. You have a because we share the Willamette, we share the river, we share the valley, the Willamette Valley Classic, the River Valley Classic. They are I. Everybody's got an idea of sorts. My wife is quoted in Bill's column as saying, call it the Willamette Bowl because we're in the Willamette Valley. The Willamette Classic might work better only because it's not a bowl game we're talking about, but I understand where my wife's mind was as she was sort of reacting to Bill Orem's idea. I actually like that. I like the Willamette Bowl or the Willamette Classic. The Willamette Classic has yeah. almost kind of a, a, a litter of sort of, a, you know, the, the rhyming of Willamette, the Willamette Classic. Yeah. Not sure is that assonance. What's the term, poetically speaking, uh, all you poetry professors and practitioners out there? But there is something to it that has a, a, a lilt or a flow. The Willamette Classic. Anyway, it, does it need a name? Have any names struck you? The Far West Classic was offered to revive the old basketball name, and I, I like that. We had some fun kicking that around a couple of years ago. Uh, the Kalapuya Classic, my daughter and her idea, which I admire. I think it's worth considering. Uh, that's mentioned in Bill Orem's column to honor the indigenous peoples on the land long before there were universities and football games being played. So if you have any thoughts on any of these matters, <laughs> and if it matters to you at all. For, for good na- or for bad, we have a kind of on-and-off romantic interest in Sasquatch, said Mike Parker, the radio voice of Oregon State. <laughs> Is that true? Yeah. For yeah. good or bad, we do, kind of. Sure. I mean, Sasquatch, I mean, everybody knows yeah. of this legendary creature or real creature. I think it's real. I could show you YouTube videos. Okay, good. Well. Kim says it's Cousin Eddie <laughs> in a suit. Probably. <laughs> Eddie, Eddie was always uh, pretty clever. <laughs> 
Let's take a break. We'll come back. 497-5356. Any thoughts on the name? If one is necessary, what do you favor? Have you read Bill Orem? How does the Bigfoot game, Bigfoot ball game strike you? The Bigfoot ball game. Or the Bigfoot ball game. Depending on how one says it. <laughs> Anyway, it's out there from Bill Orem. He'll join us at 12.05. I mainly want to talk to him about the Tristan Jebbia column. Yeah. But this one's out there, too. And then at 12.30, ABC analyst Rod Gilmore, who will be working with Dave Fleming on the broadcast Saturday from Research. Rod Gilmore joins us at 12.30. Thank you for joining us today on 12.40 Joe Radio. University Hero and 5th Street Growler. Fresh subs, craft brews, and the beeves. Where in Corvallis can you watch the beavers on TV? Enjoy your favorite sub sandwich while drinking a cold craft beer or sipping on a glass of wine. University Hero and 5th Street Growlers, that's where. It's a great combination. Stop by on 5th Street, downtown Corvallis. University Hero and 5th Street Growler. Fresh subs, craft brews, and the beeves. The outside to the left and jogs in. Touchdown, Beavers! It takes a team effort to score a touchdown. The same is true if you need some advice with personal or business tax planning, monthly business bookkeeping, or just need some help with strategy. With over 45 years in business, the coaching staff at Tax and Wealth Management in Corvallis can help. See David Mendenhall, Bill Heck, or Robert Berry. They have the experience you need to execute the game plan and score a touchdown every time. Visit taxandwealthmanagement.com and get into the game. Touchdown! Hey, this is Jake with Hyundai of Albany, inviting all of you to our Black Friday Winter Sales event going on now until the end of the month. We are offering 0.9% financing on 10 different models like the award-winning Kona and the all-new redesigned Hyundai Tucson. Act now and get $2,500 off of all of our Kona EVs in stock. Receive three years complimentary maintenance and America's best warranty for 10 years or 100,000 miles. Come visit Hyundai of Albany now or visit us online at HyundaiofAlbany.com to save big this holiday season. If you're fed up with dirty grout lines, maybe it's time to consider Cultured Marble. Hi, I'm Katie Albin at Albin's Plumbing in Corvallis. Cultured Marble is an affordable way to get the look of marble, and the best part is no grout lines. Affordable and easy to maintain. Come by our showroom on 9th Street in Corvallis and see the beautiful look of Cultured Marble. At Albin's Plumbing, plumbing's all we do. Call 754-8282, Albin's Plumbing. What's your power like today? Are you driving a powerful vehicle or are you just getting there? Fall and winter is coming and Power Honda in Albany has the CRV, Pilot, HRV, Odyssey, Passport SUVs, Ridgeline trucks, and over a thousand pre-owned vehicles to choose from to help you get to where you're going this fall and winter. So come, experience the power at Power Honda in Albany or go to mypowerhonda.com. My son had a drinking problem at college. I had no idea things could get so much worse so fast. A friend suggested we try Al-Anon family groups, even though our son claimed his drinking was no big deal. I didn't want to go to an Al-Anon meeting, but I'm sure glad I went. Is someone's drinking troubling you? You might be surprised at what you can learn in an Al-Anon family group from people just like you. Call 1-888-4-ALANON or go to alanon.org. Wow, little sneaky there. Rod Gilmore. I wasn't paying attention. Rod Gilmore. That's on me. Uh, (laughs) 
Uh, the Willamette Classic. I like that. Well, I think that's my favorite of all of them. The Willamette Classic. Because <laughs> we're all in the Willamette Valley. Right, right. It's a unique name. It's a unique area to this country. Uh, right. And like classic is better than bowl because it's not a bowl game. Right. Um, but my wife was on the right, you know, had the right sort to, of idea. I but. think more than anything, more than anything, we need a, some kind of trophy to play for. Well, and that's the that's where which of course I they don't, had. I know yeah, I get that. The platypus. And we had somebody called still likes that the platypus, the, the platypus bowl or whatever, bowl, yeah. and the platypus trophy awarded to the winner, which had a short lived right life. But it seems like in the Big Ten. Every I know. game they're playing for something. I know, and that's why. That's why because I've just uh, believe me. It's Bill uh, Orem quoting me, notwithstanding in his column, the Oregon Ore War. Parker suggested that's kind of where my mind has been. Well, yeah, my I just it's not so much I'm committed to an ore or anything else, but the <laughs> river is yeah. our is a true shared link between the yeah. two schools, yeah. as is the valley, and. So, I, you know, I just, I was trying to imagine what could a large oar or paddle or something symbolic be passed, you know, like the axe yeah, or yeah. whatever else, the little brown jug. Do you have something that is at stake with the score of the game and the, the place, but you you get to keep the oar in your, or the, mm-hmm. whatever whatever the item is. Right, an right. oar may not work, but I just see. It could I be think, an axe. It could be. Think about all the things that could be used on a river and paddling and canoeing and swimming and kayaking yeah. and fishing and all. I mean, it's a shared, wonderful body of water for both cities. That flows north to south, yeah. and that's unique, and it uh, covers both, uh, both towns. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, let's go to. Phones, open phones, and, and if anything comes in on the text line, uh, feel free to jump in. I think we've got uh, Dan. Dan first, then yeah. Paul. Yeah. Dan, good morning. Thanks for the call. Welcome to the Joe Beaver Show. Morning, guys. Uh, yeah, I like your idea of the river. Uh, we've kind of thought about that for some time, that, you know, the Willamette uh, being the connection between the two cities, something they have in common. I don't know about the river rivalry <laughs> for me that's a bit of a tongue twister i don't know how <laughs> that's what i had deal with yeah. that on the air uh but they're pros like you guys so you know maybe that isn't an issue but try saying that thing you know fast five times in a row <laughs> you might see what i mean but i like like something long rumble on the river or the river mm-hmm. rumble right or, and incorporate right. willamette into that somewhere yeah you know and uh I think I think the river incorporated in that would be great. However, everybody in my circles that I that I deal with, we still call it the Civil War. Right. And we right. were watching Channel Two News the other night, and they were doing kind of an advanced forecast for the weekend. And, and the gal doing the weather almost slipped up and called it the Civil War herself. She got mm-hmm. into the words a little bit and then mm-hmm. backed off and stopped. So. We kind of had to chuckle about that, but I think in everybody's mind, it's still that. But, well, and Dan, on that uh, point, John and I were talking off the air, and John, you think to Dan's point that yeah. that maybe there isn't this strong idea to push to have an official name change and just call it the rivalry series, because in a sense, then that permits and allows this almost organic continued usage of the old name for the yeah, game. Yeah, because everyone, like Dan said, with your buddies, everyone you hear Pretty still much, calls it yeah, that. It's it still has strong usage, yes. Yeah, well, it's you know, it's I, I you know, lived here since '63, and and you know, we've always called it that. I graduated from OSU, and you know, so in our heads, it'll always be that. And and being a bit of a you know history buff, I 
I understand, but I also have a little issue with it being a little bit of PC taken to the extreme, and that mm-hmm. Civil War doesn't necessarily refer to the Civil War, you know. Right, but, uh, right. And that's what know. people who have tried, there have been, prof- I think uh, John Canzano in a column he wrote about it recently reached out to to a, a professor of history somewhere out of the market, but said, hey, what do you think about a football game being called the Civil War? And and the professor, I felt, said, I don't really have a problem with it because you you make it clear that you're not referring necessarily, you're not referring to no. the, the, the conflict between the North and South, 1861 to 1865, the Civil War as we, we call it popularly, the war between the states, how, what, whatever terms have been used about to designate that conflict through the years, that the football game, certainly when... Cap McEwen referred to the football game as our great civil war. He was invoking a phrase uh, from Lincoln in the Gettysburg speech, and thus your mind would immediately go to the civil war, north and south, brother against brother, familial conflict. So I I can't say that even if uh, the intent was not to to bring to mind the the conflict in in our country in 1860 in the 1860s i think most of our minds do kind of connect the two the civil war because it's a north and south and close heated interrelate you know a lot of family i remember talking to yeah. ken simonton years ago before a game and ken said hey it's brother on brother rivalry in this thing you know yeah. so he said that's why they call it the civil war that was ken simonton 22 years ago All right, All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is a true civil war in that respect, you know, and, and civil wars are occurring all around the world even today, right. you know, so right. it's, but you're right, we do have that tendency in this country to make the connection to the civil war, you know, but, uh, but regardless, you know, I, I'm fine if they have another name, I, uh, but I like the idea of the river being incorporated in there somewhere, you could have a, I think a canoe paddle would be great, or some sort of an acrylic uh, thing of the state of Oregon, shaped in the state of Oregon, filled with water from the Willamette, you know, would make mm. an interesting trail. Uh, okay. So uh, okay. I think there's a lot of imagination that could be applied to that. Whether it'll take or not, who knows. Yeah. But maybe maybe 30 years from now, when our generation's <laughs> gone, it'll be a different story and people will accept it, you know. So anyway, keep up the good work, guys. Go D- Dan, thank you for the call. Paul is up next. Any suggestions or thoughts? And Dan said we can use you. That's all. We're just asking you to use if you care to, your imagination. Even if you're on the side of things that says, I'm still, I'm, I don't care what anybody says. It's always been the Civil War in my life, and that's what I'm going to call it. The rest of my life and my, okay, you know, that's fine. I guess what I am asking is if there is an official name and it's not going to be that, then I'm asking you to maybe come out of the space of, I like Civil War and that's it. Okay, I get it. But if you were forced, if it was your job, if it was your task to come up with something other than that, other than the old name that stood from 1929 to 2019, then what would you come up with? Use your imagination, as Dan just said. And you know, I know Bill Oram would love to hear from you, and we enjoy this conversation every once in a while in terms of hearing thoughts and suggestions. So feel free on the Downward Dog phone line or University Honda text line, 497-5356. Bill Oram, the columnist who advanced the big football game, joins us at 12.05. And Rod Gilmore on the actual rivalry game, the 126th edition, to break it down for us. 
at 12.30. Paul is up next on the Downward Dog phone line. Good morning, Paul. Hey, good morning, Mike and John. Hey, yeah, uh, just just <laughs> for fun's sake, what would happen if the Oregon and the Oregon State were, like, named the Indians and the Pioneers? People would be up in arms, wouldn't they? Oh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm all for the war under the Willamette myself. Mm-hmm. That, uh, I still call it the Civil War. Yeah. 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 I think uh. everybody does, but has ideas, too, for different names. Uh Oh, yeah. I, I like it well, forever, but it'll never get replaced in our minds. Probably not. Not in ours, anyway. And yeah. as somebody, Dan just said, 30 years from now, yeah, if yeah. a generation grows up without it being called that, then then it will change. Just as a generation, when football started to be played between the two schools in the 1890s, by ni- that's, what, 1930, 36 years without it being called, quote-unquote, the Civil War. Mm-hmm. So I think Dan's right. Another 30, 35 years from now, if it isn't called that, then perhaps uh, another the younger generation will grow up not even thinking about, quote-unquote, the Civil War and refer to it as something else popularly. That's probably right, Mike. Thank you, Paul. Good to hear I from you. I wonder what, what did they call it before the Civil War? Yeah. <laughs> Just Nothing, really. <laughs> the next game, a little bit like now. I, well, you know, that was back before hype and, and things. Now everything's got a name. So you feel like you have to have one. The thing I like about the Civil War, though, is it's old. 1929 is a long yeah. time ago. Uh, I know. I know. Let's go to, uh, I'm not sure who this is, but let's get uh, the caller on it's the exactly air. exactly how it looks. P.U. Daddle. Is his name? Yeah. Okay. Well. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good morning, sir. What, what What's on your mind? Good morning. I called earlier. The platypus bowl. Oh, the platypus. Yeah. I know it's been talked about before, and maybe other people. I guess I want to throw my name in the plat- part duck, part beaver. Yeah. And the Willamette River, the yeah. river rivalry. Most probably ninety-five percent of the people in the United States don't know where the Willamette River is mm-hmm. or that it does flow north. It's one of the few river, main rivers in the world that flow north. But uh, we're wanting to reach out and, 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 and get better as a football team, as a university, and very few people know about the Willamette River, I'm guessing. Yes. But they know about maybe a platypus. Well... Yeah, I don't think that the the decision to whatever the name will be should be predicated on what people outside the market know. Do you? Well, I personally, yes, no, I don't care a bit. But come on, <coughs> we live in a world where money talks, and the Beavers are trying to get every bowl game. You get more yeah. money, yeah, the more more exposure. No, personally, I don't care, but. We're trying to get in with the mm-hmm. Oregon and the USC. Uh, anyway. No, I got gotcha. you. Thank you for listening. Yeah, thanks for the call. But the nature of his name, he told you his name was P.U. Daddle. Okay, well, P.U., thank you for the call. Uh, it's an interesting name in itself. I thought he was. I thought that was the name of the game he was suggesting. Call it the P.U. Battle or something like that. So the, the only thing, P.U., sir, that I, your tone was such that you're saying, come on. Like, if it isn't the platypus bowl, it shouldn't be anything else, unless there's a reversion back to popular usage of the name from 1929 
through 2019. But the, the, the come on part of it is what troubled me a little bit. I don't think it's that simple. The platypus, platypus idea and bowl and the platypus has been advanced, I think, fairly often through the years. And not stuck. And not one the as Waylon Jennings, the love of the common people, which is all of us, to yeah, refer to. It, it, it just hasn't. No, it, 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 it hasn't taken. It's not like, oh, absolutely, no, period. It, oh, come I, on, I've that's got to be it. No, I've thought about it. I thought, well, it's a natural. It, right. It's a natural, but it hasn't stuck. Well, why? Right. Maybe because it's too much of a cartoonish type of thing. And I don't know. I, I don't I, know. But, but I get those who do advocate P, P, for it. is right. It makes it, sense. It does make sense, yes. It absolutely does. So why hasn't it stuck? The fact that a creature exists yeah. with those qualities exactly. is pretty amazing in itself. Exactly. I get it. And if it if it went that direction, Mark, as he's talking about, marketing right. possibilities, right. And that would kind of, ca- oh, man, they're going to play that at platypus bowl coming up again. What's a platypus? Well, here it is. I mean, I... It's almost like the word isn't cool enough. Yeah, yeah. And the animal is real. It's just like it. I, I know it hasn't stuck, and there's and I've wondered why because it's been put forth many times, especially for the prize. Well, okay. Well, I mean, so could you a, have two things though? Could you? I mean, the axe. It's not the axe bowl between Stanford and Cal. It's so maybe you do revive a platypus trophy to award to the winner, but call it something else well, and incorporate true. both. Yes. Because all these games in the Big Ten that have all these names, it's not called in all cases. And in the case of Stanford Cal, that's the big game. And they award an axe. Well, think about this. Okay, so, hey, this weekend, Oregon, Oregon State, in the Willamette Classic, the two sides are playing for, for the, the axe. Yeah. Or, two, or no, the or two for sides the are playing for the platypus. Yeah, I mean... Why not? Okay. There you go. We're done. Let's call the show off. Uh, <laughs> tell Rod Gilmore and Bill Orham, we're done. Get We've got it. We've got it settled. Make up all the, char- <laughs> the, uh, all the, uh, the, the words. So the- we have two new ones here on the fan? Yeah. Okay. Dave's first. Dave was three. first? Okay, yeah. let's go to Dave, and we've got Paul Rents on deck and Willie lurking in the hole. See the HBO special on the Say Hey Kid. We think you'll like it. <laughs> Dave, good morning. Welcome to the Joe Beaver Show. Good morning, gentlemen. I'm glad you've uh, engaged uh, this uh, topic of conversation because I think it's the one worth having at uh, many levels of, uh, of appreciation. So I want to go to the new idea first, but I want one. By the way, TJ's postgame show got a little tumultuous along these lines after the game Saturday night. I know, Mike, you probably couldn't have listened to it, and John probably wasn't feeling well enough to, but. Uh, this is the second round, but I'm glad you guys brought it up with the main show. So yeah. I want to try one, before I go to the new names, one last look, glance, retrospective. This is a week for retrospection and introspection. One last comment about why abandoning the term, the Civil War as the name of the game, is misplaced. And I'll try to offer this as dispassionately mm-hmm. as I can, speaking as much as a historian, as I am a college football fan. It's important to note that it was our nation, the United States of America, that won the Civil War. And if the United States of America had not won the Civil War, the 13th Amendment abolishing slavery, the 14th Amendment granting civil rights to everyone, 
uh, the 15th Amendment as, as well, that great triad, which fully substantiated the ideals of our Declaration of Independence. If the United States of America, the North, mm-hmm. had not won that, that's our identity as a nation, gentlemen. Yes. Yes. That's, that's central to our self-image. That's why, and I'll just kind of tone it down again, that's why this is so poorly conceived as an idea. Now, if the South, God forbid, had won the it wouldn't have been called the Civil War if the South, God forbid, had, it would have been called the War of Southern Independence, mm-hmm. the battle between the states. Right, but right. it was the United States of America, our nation, that won the Civil War. Mm-hmm. That's why this idea is so off-base. Having said that, okay. I think the notion of the Willamette there's something to work with there, although I would turn it in a slight... And by the way, Mike, your point that you made yesterday, and I thought appropriately, unless the schools come up with a name, for better or for worse, the fan bases are going to continue mm-hmm. to refer to it as the Civil War. Right. So the institutions have a vested self-interest in coming up with something, because with the passage of time, it's likely that this usage, which I, which I think has been misinterpreted, yeah. is likely to make a comeback. But uh, John kind of got me thinking about where to go with this, because I think the term Willamette is the key term. Now, that word is actually of indigenous origin. Mm -hmm. And your daughter actually is kind of on the right track here, Mike, because it was the Kayapuian people. That Willamette is is my best version of how Mm -hmm. to pronounce that word. Mm -hmm. It became anglicized as Willamette. But that's an indigenous term for still water or the river. And so I think if we're we're going to go that direction, because I I think the abandoning of the term is misplaced, but if we're going to go in that Mm -hmm. direction, here's my, and again, you guys have hit upon, it's for a trophy, which I would denominate as the Willamette Calamity. Now, a calamity is better known, and somebody of, of Native American ancestry can perhaps speak to the advisability of, of this idea better than I can. But the so the, the, there's an obvious Rhonda, the Willamette calamity. The calamity is better known colloquially as the Indian peace pipe. If you go to a reconciliation hmm. ceremony, I've been to many hmm. that the Nez Perce tribe have conducted. Mm-hmm. They, they, they invite everyone, regardless of ethnic background. You don't need to be a member of the Nestor's tribe to smoke the calamity. It's the peace pipe. Mm-hmm. Everyone gets the toke on the pipe. So imagine, therefore, a trophy that is like a peace pipe, but it's the Willamette. The, bat, the, game, the trophy is, that it's awarded is the Willamette calamity. And if, 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 if fighting a war is somehow obnoxious, Although if there was ever one worth fighting, it was the North prevailing in the Civil War, mm-hmm. then what could be better than, a, than fighting for a peace pipe or, or having athletic competition for a peace pipe? It's actually, it turns the whole notion of a war on its head. I advocate the Willamette Calamity. Dave, you, this, this is a very uh, informative, interesting, entertaining uh, I have to put forth Good a call. question. Good I have a call. question. Go ahead, Johnny. Yeah. Does that mean that Klamath Falls was named after the Klamath? How do you, yeah. I think there's, I, 
Yeah, I th- yeah, there's yeah, the, the Kalamath, that's a tribe uh, uh, farther south. Oh, okay. But they're, but they're but they're uh, somebody from linguistics because I mm-hmm. uh, somebody who speaks the Chinook languages. But that type of la- of phraseology, Kalamath, Willamette, Kalamath, you can see how there's kind of a pattern mm-hmm. to the speech there, which um, I kind of got picked up and with regional place names. But uh, again, I, I and by the way, if there ever, if there's ever going to be a Willamette calamity, I want it documented. I originated yeah. that concept oh, yeah. on the Joe Beaver Show <laughs> on the 23rd of November, 2022. Dave, thank you. Good stuff. I really appreciate it. it. Uh, <laughs> we're going to get that marketed here soon, and uh, just tip our cap to you and thank yeah. you for everything. <laughs> Thanks a lot, thank Dave. You. Seriously, thank you. Uh, let's go to Paul. If you have any thoughts on this, 497-5356. I don't use this phrase very often, but I love on national sports talk radio over the years. That frees up a line, at, and, and Dave <laughs> hanging up does free up a line. 497. I don't think you've ever said that. I don't think I've ever I've said never it in said my that. life, but I've heard it a lot. That frees a line, and we do have a free line at 497-5356. Not getting in, it. Love to have somebody weigh in on Bill Orem, who will join us at 12.05's idea that he's articulated in today's editions of The Oregonian, probably in the print edition, OregonLive.com. Bill Orem, O-R-A-M, seventh generation Oregonian from Tillamook County, will join us at 12.05 to talk about how he kind of came up with this idea, and we'll talk to him about his column that we believe will appear tomorrow on Tristan Jebbia. But in the end uh, of his column, I'll just read it uh, verbatim before we get to Paul. As I mentioned, the Oregon Ore War, I, I said it more in a question form, the Oregon Ore War, it's kind of where OAR, OAR, or it could be OR for the state, or, well, not so much ORE, but our abbreviation for the state is OR. Well, yeah, that too. The Oregon Ore War, but I mean, war, you know, people don't want, we don't want to call it that. So, but I'm just, again, trying to think of an object. And Oram writes after I'm quoted, Oram writes, his daughter has proposed the Kalapuya Classic as an acknowledgement of the Native American people who lived in the Willamette Valley before white settlers arrived. Parker's wife, Missy, joined him in the car. She'd been in the pet store buying an ID tag for their puppy. So we're getting a lot of information here in the Bill Orem column. He wrote that in his column, and that's true. She was in getting an ID tag for our puppy. Can I get her reaction to what you're suggesting, Parker asked? Missy's response was tepid. Oh, she said, I see, (laughs) on the Bigfoot ball game. Missy likes the Willamette Bowl. Then Orem writes, but I'd started to win over her husband. Quote, it's already growing on me, Parker admitted. I do like it. It evokes the big, now he writes this, this isn't a quote. It evokes the big game of Stanford and Cal, he said, but with a distinctive Northwest flair. Quote, I'm not a Sasquatch person per se, Parker said, but when you stylize it big football game, well, that's different, unquote. So Orem concludes his column, so there you have it. The perfect name for Oregon and Oregon State's annual meeting. Maybe it won't catch on, but you can't say he, I mean it, doesn't exist. <laughs> so that's Bill Orem's contribution, suggestion, the big football game. And I, I would quickly, and I think Jerry Allen probably would too, if it ever came to that, would just call it 
It's time for the big football game coming up this weekend. Well, yeah, it's a generic. But the problem with – here's also a problem that just occurred to me. We yeah. have a rivalry series, and it's not – I don't think you could right. ever go to the big football right. game, basketball game between the Beavers. Civil War covered every sport. Yes, yes. So I think there's issues. There's issues here. Let's go to Paul next on the Joe Beaver Show. Paul, thanks for the call. Welcome to the program. <laughs> Yeah, I kind of feel like LeBron James in the AT&T commercial where he clicks his pen and says, my work here is done. <laughs> when you guys were talking about the Willamette River and the Platypus Trophy yeah. and all that, that's where I was going. So <laughs> my work here is done. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, you like, the, you like the Platypus Bowl? I mean, from the previous caller, you like that? Well, as a trophy. Yeah, as a trophy. Uh, you could call it something, you know, the, the Willamette Confrontation or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, that the trophy would be the Platypus. Okay. Yeah, I agree with that. I could see, I could, I'd be behind reviving that in a sense. The Willamette Classic, you're, you're yeah. Johnny Early, you said the the Willamette Wrangle. You yeah, know. something well, like that. But, I can't yeah. remember now, but yeah. yeah. Anything Willamette. I like the classic. Now, Missy's quoted as saying uh, Willamette Bowl. She's I, on the right track, I like the sense. Willamette Classic with playing for the Platypus Trophy. Yeah, yeah. I could, yeah. See, I could live in that realm with, with that. Yeah. But, yeah. Paul, first of all, do you think we need a name? Well, we do. Um because we had for so long the Civil War. Yeah. And so there was a name there all the time. And everybody could relate to that. You yeah. Know? So it, it has to be a name that everybody can relate to. Yeah. Gotcha. And you don't, so Bigfoot yeah. ball game isn't that for you? <clears throat> um, I don't know. You know, I, I go back to everybody that, you know, tradition. And yeah. uh, it's hard to break that. I'm with you, Paul. Thank you. It yeah. is hard, no doubt. Thanks for the call, sir. Let's go to uh, Dave next on the Joe Beaver Show. Hello, Dave. Dave, good morning. I, I just, first of all, I think I think the big football game sounds a little bit too much like the Cal Steve. Yeah, like gotcha. No, but I think if they could get Jack Links to sponsor it, um, there's Jack Links has a commercial <laughs> with the, with the Bigfoot still yeah. in the jerky. So there's there's maybe an opportunity there. Um, I like the Willamette Classic, but it sounds a little bit like a golf tournament, not a football game. Yeah, okay. Um, I, I think football needs to be a little bit well, I, and we're just we're talking about a lot of different sports, right? So maybe it doesn't have to be you know gritty and tough football type type game. Uh, but uh, you you mentioned maybe an oar as a as a uh, an a, object a trophy. Yeah, so you could have the battle. Yeah, you could have the battle for the highest. Uh, um, you know, it's kind of. I just think that a lot of these things you come up a little, a little cheesy. Maybe yes, I know, I know. You know, trying to be cute instead of. Yep. And and it shouldn't be right. And and I think Dave's idea, you know, um, <laughs> takes a little too much explaining, but I like it. I like the hit the history of it. Yeah. Um, personally, but I think it takes a little too much explaining for, you know, maybe the volley in the valley. Um, oh yeah. You could yeah. have. Uh, Maybe maybe the big float, you mm-hmm. know, as mm-hmm. a homage to the river, you know, right. floating down the Willamette River. Well, yep. I don't know. A shared activity enjoyed it's, it's by multitudes. Gonna... Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, you know about that, Mike. I do. You I do love know. it. I love it. I love the river. I love our valley. Bit of that, don't you? Valley River Classic. Valley River, river Valley. Great. River oh, Valley Series. Yeah. Willamette. I Willamette Valley Classic. Yeah. Yeah. 
The Willamette, Willamette Valley Classic. Valley Classic. So I think if we want to come up with something, yeah, if we want to come up with something really outlandish, let's ask Bill Walton to name it for us. <laughs> he, would, he would come up with something. He'd probably incorporate yahats into it. He would. Hey. He would. Somebody needs to ask him. <laughs> How about the war in the Willamette? Yeah, I I kind of like that, except as Dave I, talked about, the, the whole like notion it. of war is, well, you know. People I, need to get over it. I know. It's football. The football war. was invented to keep Civil War participants tough. Yeah, there's some truth in that, too, Johnny. They're You're worried right. about them getting soft, yeah, and I so know. they created this game. That's why there's so much uh, verbiage in the sport of football that yeah. matches that of war. Yeah. Good point. Hey, hey, yeah, Paul, I don't know that you need a locale reference there either. You could just call it the battle, or you know, battle, yeah, like that. You know, one word, two word term. You know, you don't you don't have to have a a regional reference. Yeah, no, you don't have to. A, that's for sure. Any location. So I don't know. Uh, Thank you, Dave. Good talking I, to you. I, I think Willamette needs to be incorporated. Yeah. The Willamette Valley Classic, the Willamette hmm. River Classic, War on the Willamette. Yeah. War for the Willamette. War for the platypus. No. <laughs> War, uh, you know, something. What do you got on the text line, John? We've been. I got, I got yeah, a, Angie Machado. Yes. And Wait, we, is she listening? <clears throat> no. Or is she responding to Bill Oram? No, she just tweeted. She's oh. just a regular tweet. I, okay. I was looking through tweets. Civil joke for the day. Now, she didn't put the word war in there, but civil mm-hmm. joke for the day. Four friends, a beaver, a husky, and a cougar, and a duck climb Mount Hood. They get to the top, marvel at the beauty. Then out of nowhere, the cougar moves to the edge and screams, this is for Cougar Nation, and jumps off the edge. Not to be outdone, the husky yells, bow down, this is for my beloved Washington, and he hurls himself over the cliff. The beaver fan looks, or the uh, beaver fan looks shocked, walks over and yells, this is for the entire Pac-12, and pushes the duck off the edge. (laughs) That's funny. It's a nice variation on a theme, Angie. And then my uh, smart-alecky wife writes mm-hmm. in and says, how about the Bigfoot ball game and the Cousin Eddie Invitational? <laughs> she mocks me okay. saying well, it's Cousin Eddie. What do you got on the text line? As we got a few minutes. Anything yeah. coming through at all on the University Honda text line? Next hour, we're pretty busy <laughs> with Bill Oram, Oregonian columnist who's advanced the Bigfoot ball game. And... A column on Tristan Jebbia coming up, plus Rod Gilmore joining us at 12.30, ABC analyst. Anything there, Doc? Puddle Bowl, battle for the puddle. Okay. The Willamette Valley Clash. Mark says, don't think it could be anything with ore in it because it's too closely linked with the place down south. Well, there's, there's truth there, too. Just like they wouldn't want anything with the word state in it. Right. Social studies teachers hear and think nothing epitomizes and encapsulates the feeling of this rivalry better than the term civil war because that is what it is in mm-hmm. our state. Yeah. This is a long text. I don't have to try. Uh, well, I'll have to read it all later because yeah. we're running out of time. Uh, Appreciate the sentiment. Um, Matt Michael in Lebanon, either battle for the Willamette or battle on the Willamette. Curtis says the Sasquatch battle, <laughs> the timber or lumberjack ball. Yeah. The Willamette River rivalry. That's the one I like. That's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. I came up with that one a few months oh, ago. Okay. First choice back to the Civil War. Mm-hmm. If, if that can't or won't happen, we need to have a name for branding and marketing. Right. Calling it the rivalry game is so bland and irrelevant. ORST needs nothing to do with those connotations. Okay. How about the end of the trail showdown? 
Yeah. Trophy could be a golden-covered wagon. Kyle in Southwest Florida. Hey, Kyle. Thanks for listening. Let's uh, finish off with a, a minute spot right here. You ready? Okay, let's go. Uh, Bill Orham coming up, the big football game. Get a great deal on versatile Kubota equipment today, like Kubota BX and L-Series compact tractors. Part of Kubota's tractor lineup rated number one in durability and owner experience. Plus, C-Series mowers and sidekick utility vehicles. Stop by Lynn Benton Tractor today and bring home the Kubota L2501 tractor for $0 down, 0% APR, plus save up to $1,000 now through December 31st. See Lynn Benton Tractor and Tangent or go to KubotaUSA.com for more details. At Lassen Toyota, we believe in going the extra mile by providing those little extras that make your life easier, like online scheduling so you can pick the day and time that's most convenient for you, and courtesy rides to and from your home or workplace. We even honor our competitors' coupons whenever possible. Lassen Toyota services vehicles, but serves people. Schedule your service appointment today at LassenToyota.com. Just east of I-5 on Highway 20 in Albany. J.O. Corvallis. Everybody hear me? We're on in five. And QID. 1240 Joe Radio. I'm Jim Chesko with your money now. Stocks are modestly higher. Some of the advance tied to the release of Fed meeting minutes showing that policymakers expressed views that smaller interest rate increases would likely soon be appropriate. The S&P 500 is up 25 points. The Dow Jones Industrial is ahead by 130. And the Nasdaq Composite has jumped 120. Back in charge at Disney, Robert Iger has scheduled a town hall meeting with employees this coming Monday morning. The returning chief executive, who last weekend was named to replace the ousted Bob Chapek, will meet with the entertainment giant's employees to discuss the future of the company and take questions about what's ahead. Disney shares are up 2.5% today. The federal government has taken another big swipe at illegal robocalls as it moved to block a voice provider from the entire U.S. phone network for the first time. The FCC order targets Global UC, a company that claims to serve more than 200 businesses globally with low-cost international calling services. Again, the Dow up 120 points. That's your money now. This Thanksgiving at Total Wine & More, find bourbons and cabernets that you adore. Our helpful guides are so friendly and nice, the bottle's so perfect and perfectly priced. So gather with friends as you sit down to eat, grateful for all who made Thanksgiving complete. Love what you find. Always lowest prices at Total Wine & More. Drink responsibly, B21. The holidays are here. Achieve gifting greatness when you give perfectly aged, tender, delicious Omaha Steaks. The steak experts at Omaha Steaks have curated special gift packages to take the guesswork out of gifting and make you a holiday hero. At OmahaSteaks.com, use code QUALITY at checkout for $30 off your order. Omaha Steaks is ready to ship, so shop early and beat the rush. Visit OmahaSteaks.com, use code QUALITY at checkout to get that extra $30 off. Have you seen Highland Bowl's expanded strike zone lounge? Stop by for a burger, pizza, a hot or a cold sandwich, or a salad. There's appetizers and snacks, too. And the prices are so low on beer and spirits, it's like happy hour all day. Enjoy your favorite Oregon lottery games, too. Highland Bowl. It isn't just for bowlers anymore. Stop by and check out the expanded strike zone lounge at Highland Bowl on 9th Street in Corvallis. We set them up. You knock them down. For auto glass solutions, better call a glass man. Call 541-760-2277. Call the glass man. 
Hi, this is Jake the Glass Man. Let me fix the crack in your glass. For windshield repair, call me first. For auto glass solutions, better call the Glass Man. Call 541-760-2277. Call the Glass Man. It's Medicare open enrollment time. See the Medicare specialists at Rhodes Warden Insurance Agency. Look at all the 2022 plan choices, including prescription drug plans and Medicare Advantage. This is your time to see if you can find a lower premium and extra benefits. Open enrollment starts October 15th and ends December 7th. Call now to make an appointment. Since 1961, Rhodes Warden Insurance Agency, Lebanon, Albany, and Staten, or RhodesWardenINS.com. Hi, I'm Dennis Silvers, the Golf Guru, here with another Golf Minute to help you feel like a windmill. Too much movement up and down in the golf swing can be detrimental in making solid contact. You need to understand that the turning motion in the swing needs to be perpendicular to your spine, not horizontal. To experience what this should feel like, stand upright with your arms straight out from your sides. Keeping your arms straight, bend from your hips like you were dressing a golf ball. Now turn like a windmill by rotating your upper body back and then through. You should notice that your left hand is lower on the backswing and your right hand is lower on the follow through. This indicates that you're turning around your spine, keeping a constant posture throughout the swing, not raising up and down. So remember, keep your arms and shoulders turning correctly around your spine, just like a windmill. For the Golf Minute, I'm Dennis Silvers. This works especially well on windy days. Science proves quality sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. The Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed senses your movements and automatically adjusts to help keep you both effortlessly comfortable. And it's temperature balancing, so you stay cool. So you're at your best for yourself and those you care about most. Life-changing sleep, only from Sleep Number. It's our ultimate Sleep Number event. Save 50% on the Sleep Number 360 Limited Edition Smart Bed plus special financing, only for a limited time. Special financing subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payments required. See store for details. Ew, gotta get rid of this old Backstreet Boys t-shirt. Tell me why. Because it stinks, boys. Tell me why. I've washed it so many times, but the odor won't come out. Tell me why. No, you tell me why I can't get rid of this odor. Have you tried new Downy Rinse and Refresh? It doesn't just cover up odors. It helps remove them. Wow, it worked, guys. Yeah. Downy Rinse and Refresh removes more odor in one wash than the leading value detergent in three washes. Find it wherever you buy laundry products. They're coming from everywhere. Need to be a great deal of traffic here for country road, it's Corvallis, Oregon. To see the total eclipse of the sun. I'm talking about the sky, McIntyre. Mike McIntyre and the Buffaloes are coming, amongst many others. Need to be a great deal of traffic here for country road, it's sinks. Sight worth seeing. I know how you must feel. Yes, but not everyone's on board. And look at that sky. You look at it. But for everyone else, excitement is sky high for life in Corvallis. Sky is amazing. There seems to be a lot happening in it all the time. If it's happening, you'll hear about it on the Joe Beaver Show. I'm expecting something special from there. Keep your eyes skinned. I want reports. Oh, you'll get reports all right. The best reports on the Joe Beaver Show with John Warren and Mike Parker. Nothing I can say. Total eclipse of the heart. And away we go with the Joe Beaver Show 
1240 Joe Radio. We head into the second hour on the Joe Beaver Show and the final hour of the week for the show with Thanksgiving. Tomorrow at this time, on this airwave, we should be tipping it off, we being the Oregon State Beaver men's basketball team against the eighth-ranked Duke Blue Devils, boasting the number one recruiting class in America and four projected potential, three for sure, maybe four first-round picks in this year's NBA, next year's NBA draft on the Duke roster. Quite a bit different research, isn't it? It's different research than the last basketball game I prepared for, which was Bushnell University out of Eugene. (laughs) No disrespect. No disrespect, but preparing for Duke's a little different. 17 Final Fours, their first, their very first, 1963, and who else was in that Final Four? Yes, your Oregon State Beavers in the Final Four, Duke's very first appearance, the Beavers and Duke together in Louisville. So Did they play? I, they did, I believe, and, and yeah. I, I, that's an area, if it's one more area I've got to get to. Yeah, yeah. Trying to research that's basketball great. games, that's three games stuff. coming up this weekend. Was that... Uh... Jeff Mullins, Mel Counts, Terry Terry yeah. Baker, Jeff uh, Mel Counts for the Beavers and the great Jeff Mullins for Duke, wow. one of their first wow. uh, true superstars. Together you in the Final Four, paths. there's there's all kinds of crossings. That's part of history, Doc. Part yeah. of Oregon State's basketball history. We have been talking about American history, state of Oregon history, the history of. Uh, a creature known as Sasquatch today (laughs) on the the Joe Beaver show. Thanks to a conversation with, and then the ensuing column that appeared, I believe today, I hadn't seen it before this morning in the Oregonian. I start with in the Oregonian and then also at OregonLive.com. Although I think most people will find the story and column by our next guest, on OregonLive.com in the age we live in, but it is in the Oregonian, I would hope, in the print edition today, which I've not seen. But Bill Oram is the columnist at the Oregonian and advanced, and we thank him for providing the first hour full of content (laughs) here on the show in taking ideas and reaction to the big football game as well as uh, other suggestions and ideas coming forth, uh, creativity and imagination being shown. Thank you to all of our listeners, texters, callers, etc. And it's a, gen- a generator. Yeah, and a gentleman who has provided a good deal of uh, spurred a lot of our conversation here today, wrote the column, was kind enough to ask my opinion, that of Jerry Allen's, my wife piped in, my daughter Lydia gets a little time in his <laughs> column. So, Bill... I thank you for making that a family affair. Our puppy got mentioned, too. So I'm in great debt to you uh, for that and for taking time to join us on the Joe Beaver Show. Hello, Bill. How are you? I'm great, Mike. I feel like a, I feel like a, 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 like I, I didn't do my journalistic duty, though, because I didn't ask you what your puppy's name was. So I feel like that's the thing I left readers wanting in that column. Okay, well, Bo, by the way, we have Juno and Bo. Bo's the puppy, and we're we're having a good time with Bo. Thank you for that. But, Bill, let's start right there with the column. Then I want to kind of work back to your own story as a seventh-generation uh, Tillamook County Oregonian and coming back home, in a sense, after going to the to cover the Lakers and other things in your career. But let's start right with where we've been in the last hour on our show. What has the reaction been? You ran it by Jerry Allen. You ran it by uh, my wife. 
and you ran it by me the other night. What has been the reaction as you've uh, pushed it out uh, onto OregonLive.com and I assume in the print edition today to your idea, the Bigfoot ball game? Uh, you know, I think what's funny is everybody has their own idea. So I've gotten more emails about this one column in the <laughs> six hours that it's been online than anything else I've written in the you know, four months I've been back and writing for the Oregonian. So, I mean, as I think you've gathered from your, from, from your callers and on your show this morning, um, it's, it's something where everybody comes in with their own idea. So some people like the big football game. Uh, some people like something having to do with a, 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 a Sasquatch or Bigfoot reference, but like the idea of like the Bigfoot Bowl, which to me loses the double entendre that I obviously love so much. But what I've just loved is, is the passion coming from readers who obviously care. And, and there's a lot of people, by the way, who don't want the name to, who want to go back to the name that we had for 70 yeah. years, to, or for 80 years, who want to go back to the Civil War and don't think it should have ever been changed uh, either. And, you know, I do think that there is a valid conversation to be had around, um, you know, around the name and why it was changed. I think there's an opportunity for education. Um, I just responded to an email from a reader who said, keep politics out of sports. And, you know, if you think politics haven't been in sports since, you know, the beginning of time and, and the, you know, the, the first Olympics, you know, then you're, you're not, um, you know, fully considering the situation. But I do think it's a robust conversation. I'm enjoying the heck out of it. I loved, uh, you know, I loved our conversation the other night, Mike. And I, I want to be clear, I have a very good sense of humor about this. Like, I know that the big football game, it's not going to be for everybody. But for me, it was an opportunity to have some fun with it and uh, also corner both you and Jerry because I think you both would have had a hard time telling me to my face that you didn't like it. So, uh, <laughs> so I, was, I, was able, I was able to put you on the spot and, uh, and, weasel, um, and weasel an endorsement. But now the universities have no choice. I mean, the two most prominent figures of both schools, the voices of both the Beavers and the Ducks have signed off on it. I don't know how they could possibly not move forward with it now. I'll do it. It's terrible. No, no. It's not <laughs> terrible, and I'm not sure. I may have stopped a little short of quote-unquote signing off on it, but it did yeah. rightly, and you experienced it in our conversation. You're right to characterize, I mean, you're right to write about it as I did warm to it the more I considered it, particularly with the double entendre bill that you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, and that's, and that's where the good fun is, you know. I mean, I, I got a kick out of, you know, that. I mean, there's so many other names that, you know, reference, you know, great elements of our state. And, you know, if you want to play it straight and something with Lamet, um, obviously, like you, like we talked about your daughter's suggestion of the Kalatuya Classic, um, you know, acknowledging, you know, the, the, the indigenous people of, you know, the Lamet Valley. Um, you know, there's so many. And I think there is a robust conversation to be had. But I think the, maybe the, the, the biggest takeaway for me is, you know, I think that we have to be somewhat critical of both the University of Oregon and Oregon State for not working harder to find, to give fans something to invest in. You know, not every game has a name. Like USC and UCLA, for example, has like five names and none of them really stick. But we've always had this one umbrella term for, for Oregon and Oregon State. And to suddenly be like, oh, for the game, I think there does need to be something. And, and so if, if, you know, when they made the decision in 2020 during that pivotal time to uh, discontinue use of, of, of the Civil War, I do think that, you know, something else has to fill it in. Otherwise, everyone's just going to revert back to the old term, you know, feel maybe a little guilty while they say it, but then kind of, you know, use it among their friends. And so I think we do need something that everyone can get behind and, and can unite 
both fan bases, whether it's the big football game, not terrible, or, or something different if it is, you know, I've gotten a lot of good ones today. But I got the Rain Bowl. Um, Marsh Madness was one I liked. Marsh <laughs> Madness. Um, and I even, I, I even the one I got in the email today that I thought was most clever was uh, the Pond Scrum. <laughs> that's uh, that's creative. Uh, Bill Oram joining us here on the Joe Beaver Show. John Warren with Mike Parker. Uh, well, there's a couple of things here. One, you're right. This generates a lot of interest. People want to weigh in on this. Everybody's got an opinion on it. And you're right, too, about the lack of uh, the, the vacuum that there is. As long as that exists, people are still going to call it the Civil War, which is what they're doing. And some are doing it defiantly and some are doing it just because they're, they're used to it. Uh, one yeah. thing, though, that we've heard is that it kind of needs to be something for more than just the football game. It's got to be all-encompassing because Civil War meant series. It meant volleyball. It meant any any kind of a clash between the two. You know, yeah, and I, I, I know that was certainly you know the case with the Civil War term. And, you know, I think that there are rivalries throughout the country where that is the case. Um and you know they use they use it for a blanket for all meetings of all sports and others where they don't. You know Stanford and Cal, for example, I don't think they call you know wrestling duels the big game, right. for example. But I but I, I I agree, and again that's certainly something that we have um, you know had you know here locally. So if that was something that was important, you know that's fine with me. I mean I would say you know you could have the big football game and then you could have the Bigfoot series the rest of, in the other sports or something like that. But mm. again. Maybe the Bigfoot one isn't for everybody, but if I'm gonna, if I'm really gonna plant my flag on Bigfoot, I gotta stick with I gotta I gotta stick with Bigfoot. But I I, 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 I you know I mean like the little brown sign between Idaho and Montana. I think that that is exclusive to uh, the football game and not used uh, in all other sports. Although I could be wrong on that one. Bill Orem joining us, Oregonian columnist, as he said for the last four months in a in a homecoming. Bill, I want to get to another column that you said you were working on and, and when it may indeed appear. We're excited about it, about one of our own players here in the program. I really look forward to that piece. But what about the return? Where, When you left growing up in Tillamook County, give us your quick life story and then how you kind of ended up coming back home when an opportunity at the Oregonian presented itself. Yeah, I mean, that's quite a tease for a forthcoming column, Mike. Um, I... <laughs> You know, I did. I grew up in South Tillamook County. I think you said I was a seventh generation mm-hmm. Tillamook County native. Um, that is not quite. I, I I'm a second generation Tillamook County uh, person, but my family's been in Oregon since you know the you know some of the earliest families okay. to come across on the Oregon Trail. And so mm-hmm. you know, I had a I think five great grandfathers that uh, helped cut the Barlow Trail with Sam Barlow. The Mount Hood route on the Oregon Trail is buried uh, right outside of Corvallis. So um, a lot of a lot of pride and history, you know, in my Oregon roots. But um, grew up in South Tillamook County, um, and always wanted to be a sports writer. Grew up loving, you know, all the great sports writers at the Oregonian, and listening on the radio, of course. Uh, and you know, you know, it's not a Beaver, it's not a Beaver football game without without Mike Parker's voice. Um, so, you know, I went off to college at the University of Montana. Um, has kind of bounced around the Western U.S. over the last, you know, 15 years, worked in Salt Lake City, covered the Lakers for nine years in Los Angeles. But the opportunity to come home and be part of the, you know, the sports community and the fabric of a state I love was just, you know, an absolute no-brainer. And I'm having a lot of fun with it because I get to, you know, tell really, you know, meaningful stories. Um, all, some of them are really serious. Some of them are a little goofy, like the big football game. But um, it's, it's fun. And, I, and, you know, one thing I can tell you is, 
it's personal to me. You know, it's really, I care a lot what we call the football game between Oregon and Oregon mm-hmm. State. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not something where, you know, I, you know, you know, I want to be part of that for, you know, the next 60 years, you know, for the rest of my life. And so it is really important to me that we figure something out and that it's something that is respectful to everyone and that everyone can be happy with. And, you know, and that's, you know, that's the kind of thing that I'm here to do. So very proud to be back, very excited to be back, very grateful to be back. Bill Orem, Oregonian sports columnist, OregonLive.com, joining us. The latest column has been out for about six hours, and he has been overwhelmed <laughs> by the reaction as we were last hour. It, you've right. generated a lot of conversation, and that's fun into the good, and good for you, Bill. Thanks for that. But you did allude to wanting to tell stories, and it sounds as though you found something that, that occurred to you to pursue and look into, and I'm looking forward to the fruits of, wh- of whatever it is your conversation with our own Tristan Jebbia was all about. But could you take us a little bit? I know... Do you know when, first of all, the column will appear, and just sort of what you found there, what our what our listeners, your readers, can look forward to? Yeah, I hope everybody does uh, take some time on on Thanksgiving Day or after Thanksgiving to check out this one. Uh, it'll run in Thanksgiving paper. Um, I spent about half an hour with Tristan Jebbia just talking to him about his career and his arc. And you know, Beaver fans are obviously not going to. This is not going to be a surprise to Oregon State fans who who know kind of the trials of his of his career, but. You know, you've got a guy who two years ago in the uh, in the big football game, you know, started and had led Oregon State, you know, back, you know, to the to the goal line was about to have kind of this crowning moment of his football life, right against um, against the rival, and suffers just an absolutely gruesome injury, and it has completely derailed you know his football career. He missed an entire season last year. He's worked his way back, you know, to be the backup. And I mean, there's just so many be- so much beautiful perspective from Tristan Jeffia because I feel like, you know, he has so many reasons that he could be bitter. He could be, he could be resentful. He could be cursing the universe for, you know, his rotten luck. And that's not his attitude at all. You know, he's 24 years old. He's got this great perspective on life and, you know, what football means. And, you know, I look around the college football landscape and you see so many guys who are transferring or, you know, it's all about the NIL money. And I've gotten pretty cynical about the motivations of college athletes kind of in this new age. And, Tristan Jebbia just really was, you know, a breath of fresh air in the conversation we had where, you know, he's so grounded. He seems like he really gets it, um, you know, and he's, he's grateful. And, you know, he's grateful that he has the opportunity to be the third-string quarterback at Oregon State um, this season. And, you know, those, those snaps that he's taken against Colorado, Cal, Arizona State, you know, he's thrown five passes just, to, just and just hands the ball off most of the time in cleanup duty, but, you know, for him, you know, that's deeply meaningful. That's representative of the whole journey and the whole, you know, um, the, the hardships he's had to endure just to get to that point, you know, just to be back on the field is a huge victory for him. So, you know, he, he just comes with such a, a mature perspective, such a great outlook on life. Um, you know, I think it's the perfect story to tell on Thanksgiving and especially the week of uh, the big football game. <laughs> And I like the way you slipped that in, Bill. That was cle- that was clever. Cleverness is, is, seems to be the key word to describe your idea. But Bill, it, on the Tristan Jebbia story, yeah, there's a piece of it. And I, I don't, you know, we don't want to necessarily scoop yourself and do the whole column. But something that I did touch on that I'd heard about through Sean Scheffler, I think, was an auditor while you were uh, doing the interview. But Sean shared with me, and I think this is an important piece that I'd like to see kind of fleshed out. 
we have been a little bit, I've been watching the play on which Tristan was hurt and so catastrophically injured. On the, yeah. the hamstring yank pull by Verone McKinley III, it hasn't sat well with Beaver fans. It, but it, it smacked of a dirty play or whatever else. You broached that, evidently, that subject with yeah. Tristan. What did you find on that? You know, and Tristan has said some of this before, you know, where he has forgiven Verone McKinley and that and the Verone McKinley apologized to him before the rivalry game last year and that he forgave him. But, you know, I mean, Tristan views it as sort of, you know, a confluence of events. You know, it was all the guys who landed on him. It was the fact that Verone McKinley was holding his, you know, legs straight. I mean, I think we can all agree that, you know, <laughs> the, it's not ideal to be trying to pull a player backwards uh, but with, by his leg in that situation. And, you know, I, and I certainly merited an apology. Absolutely. But Tristan, you know, does not, he, again, this goes back to the subject of bitterness and resentment. He does not harbor, I think what I write in the column is he does not harbor any animus toward Verone McKinley. Um, he doesn't feel like, you know, Verone McKinley, um, you know, deserves the, you know, kind of, you know, perpetual scorn of, of Oregon State fans. You know, he's found it within himself to forgive and to sort of let go of any ill will. Uh, there's a line in there that I'll share where he said, you know, he would have had to be Arnold Schwarzenegger to pull my, you know, to pull my leg out of the socket. So, you know, I, I think he looks at it much more as a um, sort of unfortunate confluence of events as opposed to the fault of one guy. Okay. Well, we look forward to it, and you're right. It does sound like the perfect piece for Thanksgiving Day and hope that I look forward to reading it, and I, I hope many of our listeners and, and your readers will find it to be just that for tomorrow and Thanksgiving. Bill, what about the game? Before we let you go, and really appreciate meeting you here in this context. I saw you during uh, fall camp at uh, Pro Throw Field and look forward to having a conversation with you. It's been longer than it should have been, but I hope we can touch base from time to time on the show and elsewhere. How do you see the game itself? You've seen both teams a lot. What do you make of this 126th big football game? (laughs) (laughs) I, uh, you know, I haven't decided what way I'm going to lean ultimately because I think it's going to be close. I, and, you know, we don't know what Bo Nix is going to look like. Um, Bo Nix, not Bo the puppy. And <laughs> it, 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 you know, a lot hinges on that. But, I mean, that Oregon defense just isn't very good. You know, they, they you made some plays last week against Utah, but Utah was, you know, obviously Cam Rising was not himself. I think the Beavers have a real chance here. I think they can run the ball against Oregon, and if, if Ben Branson can make you know just, just enough throws to keep the Oregon defense honest, I mean, I think he'll have opportunities to get over the top against, against, against that, that defense. So I think, there's a, I think there's a real chance for the Beavers to win on Saturday. I don't know that they will. Um, the, Oregon def- or the Oregon offense is just such a prolific machine when it's clicking. But a lot of that hinges on Bo Nix's ability to get out and run. And if he can't run, I think that you've really got a real chance uh, to see a Beaver victory on Saturday. Hmm. Bill, last thing I said last thing, but that is I agree with your, that, by the way. T- your time with the Lakers in your own bio uh, at the when you go to look you up and your your headshot in the Oregonian, LeBron James, and I wrote it down, but now right here, the book, the notebook slipped away from me, but something about LeBron James says that don't listen to him or don't, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about or something to that effect. So you must have at some point. Did you get into it? Will? Yeah, I mean, did you have something you wrote about the Lakers or LeBron that rankled the king? 
Yeah, there's, the video is online. Uh, LeBron, last year when LeBron was at the All-Star Game in Cleveland, he told my colleague Jason Lloyd at The Athletic that uh, returning to Cleveland in his career had not been, um, the door had not been closed on that. And this was at a time of real turmoil for the Lakers. And so I, what I wrote, you know, based on my reporting and also my, you know, knowing a little bit about how LeBron works and what buttons he likes to push, you know, wrote that, you know, this was a signal of him you know, trying to apply pressure to the Lakers to get some things done and to make things happen and stop wasting his time. And somebody got to LeBron, and he uh, he went on a, a little bit of a uh, press conference tirade about how a Laker fans should not listen to me because I don't like the Lakers. The Lakers, by the way, uh, missed the playoffs last year and are in last place in the Western Conference right now. So I don't, it turns out it turns out it was not Bill Orem who was holding the Lakers back. Yeah, okay. Did he call you up by name? Oh yeah, yeah. This video. <laughs> We're gonna have to look at that YouTube video. Uh, I can't wait yeah. to look at that YouTube. <laughs> I, somehow I missed all of that drama so last year, Bill. Yeah. But thank you for bringing it uh, to our attention. That will uh, just yeah. as your column entertained us uh, today. Really appreciate your time and cleverness, and your time invested in writing about something that does, I can tell, really mean something to you. It wasn't just I'm gonna throw this out there for the fun of it. You've given it thought. You care about. Uh, both the universities, the rivalry game, what it should be called, et cetera. But this does give us something else well, to look at I'll now, too, say, Bill, LeBron James. I'll say this, Bill, that, that you know, on this show, and we, we were right there into it for all these years, it hadn't come up until your article. For a couple of years. For a couple yeah. of years. It mm-hmm. did, obviously, at the beginning, yeah. but it really died down yeah. and hadn't really come up much and then, until the article. Bill, thank you for and that. I'll, and I'll, and yeah. I'll just say, based on my emails today and the engagement online, um, people really care. People do want mm-hmm. a name, so I'm, I'm here for that. And, and thank you guys for having me on. Thank, I you, thank you so much, Bill. Hope to see you Saturday. Bill Orem from the Oregonian Sounds Oregon like Line. Guy. Yeah, I've, he really does. I haven't met him, but I've seen him. Rod Gilmore will join us next. He, Dave Fleming, and Tiffany Blackman formed the ABC team. And I keep coming back to the last time, 1230 ABC in Corvallis. 23-13 Beavers, Jonathan Smith, Ken Simonton, five picks, three by Jay Cookus, who will also be in the stadium Saturday. So I like the juxtaposition, ABC 1230 kickoff, Jay as Cookus. it was 20 years ago, 22 years ago. Mm-hmm. Rod Gilmore will be there. He'll call it. It was Keith Jackson and Dan Fouts that called it 22 years ago. Rod Gilmore joins us next on 1240 Joe Radio. Have you been putting off that remodeling project? Have you finally decided to take a leap and get it done? For over 30 years, people in the Mid-Valley have been going to Corvallis Floor Covering. Stop by and browse through their large showroom with a wide variety of carpet, countertops, wood and vinyl flooring, and window coverings from all the popular brands that you know, love, and gotta have. They're on the corner of 2nd and Van Buren downtown, or log on to CorvallisFloorCovering.com. Shop local, shop Corvallis Floor Covering, and go Beeves! Hey, this is Jake with Hyundai of Albany, inviting all of you to our Black Friday winter sales event going on now until the end of the month. We are offering 0.9% financing on 10 different models like the award-winning Kona and the all-new redesigned Hyundai Tucson. Act now and get $2,500 off of all of our Kona EVs in stock. Receive three years complimentary maintenance and America's best warranty for 10 years or 100,000 miles. Come visit Hyundai of Albany now or visit us online at HyundaiofAlbany.com to save big this holiday season. 
Get a great deal on Kubota M-Series utility tractors. Kubota's powerful and versatile lineup is rated number one in durability and owner experience. So whether you need to mow, rake, stack, lift, or pull, you can get it done right with Kubota M-Series utility tractors. And right now, get a Kubota utility tractor for $0 down, 0% APR for up to 48 months, plus save $3,000 now through December 31st. See Lynn Benton Tractor and Tangent or go to KubotaUSA.com for a full disclaimer. Weddings, anniversaries, holiday parties, corporate events, large or small, make them spectacular with Forks and Corks Catering. From delicious bites to signature cocktails, they'll ensure an experience that is a delight for you and your guests. With their fresh cuisine, artful presentation, and polished service, Forks and Corks always creates a spectacular symphony of sensory delight. View their menu and list of venues online. Forks and Corks Catering, events designed to delight. Catering to the Willamette Valley since 2011. Burst's Chocolates looks forward to seeing all of their customers and making some new ones this holiday season. In addition to all their traditional chocolates made right in the store, Burst's has added imported chocolates and confections this year. So stop in and say hi during the holiday open house. It's Monday, November 28th from noon until 7. Enter to win a Bethany Lowe Putts House and boxes of chocolates from Burst's. Make Burst Chocolates part of your holiday tradition. Between 3rd and 4th on Madison in downtown Corvallis. Sweetening the valley since 1938. Get the Mexican-inspired craze you'll crave at Qdoba Mexican Eats with new brisket birria. We're talking tender, shredded beef, slow-cooked for 10 hours in chili and garlic, infusing the authentic flavors of the popular Mexican street food. Top your favorite entree or try the quesabirria quesadilla or burrito. Brisket birria layered with their signature three-cheese queso. From Mexico to food trucks and now to your plate, get in on the birria craze and order today at Qdoba.com. This is Oregon State's defensive back, Alex Austin, and you are listening to the Joe Beaver Show on 1240 Joe Radio. Well, it's appropriate to bring in uh, DB uh, as our intro and bridge to our guest, Rod Gilmore, who will be the analyst working alongside of the outstanding play-by-play guy Dave Fleming, Tiffany Blackman, on the sidelines, we've got an A-team coming in for the ESPN and ABC family on ABC proper. This has an old-fashioned feel to it. ABC, 1230, Reeser Stadium, the 126th rivalry game. And our next guest has been kind enough to carve out some time in a busy week. Rod Gilmore joining us. Rod, thank you for your time. And I, I assume every game you guys are professionals and you get ready and put in your time and and every game warrants that. But this, for us here anyway, it has kind of an extra feel. We're really excited about it. What are your thoughts about coming up here with Dave and Tiffany to do the game in Corvallis this Saturday? Well, uh, I think we're all excited about it. Um, you know, we've done uh, this game before a couple of years ago. So we are familiar with the rivalry. And the thing I'm sort of excited about is that, you know, the country doesn't normally get to peek in on this rivalry. And so I think it's kind of great that the country gets a chance to see what it's all about. Um, it's an ABC kick at uh, 3.30 Eastern, 12.30 local. So that's going to open the rivalry up to, uh, to a greater audience. And I think, uh, you know, this rivalry has had in the past. And the fact that it is, you know, a huge game for both teams. Um, Oregon is still in the, the hunt for the Pac-12 championship game. And you know, there's nothing like having a chance to spoil it for your rival if you're Oregon State, and Oregon State has a shot at a 10-game, you know, win season. This is mm-hmm. this is pretty good stuff. So 
there are a lot of great storylines. It's a great rivalry that's been under the radar for the country. So we're, we're excited to have a chance to show it to the country. And, Rod, what are the storylines that have captured your attention the most on this one during your preparation? Well, there's so many. I mean, uh, you know, we had Oregon last week mm-hmm. um, in their ball game and uh, against Utah. And the way that Bo Nix performed essentially on one leg, mm-hmm. uh, unable to, to move. And, you know, we saw him in warm-ups, and we, we said, he can't play, he can't run, he can't move. You know? mm-hmm. And yet he went out there and was masterful on one leg uh, without any rushing attempts until the very end of the game when he picked up that, that first down to close it out. So I think his health. And um, what state uh, he'll be in for the game, how well he can play. Is is he going to be limited like he was last week? Uh, Will he be able to get back to his normal self uh, and be a dual threat guy? I think think that's that's critical. And health generally. You know, working state has some players that that they need to get back. It would be a shame to have, you know, this big a game and, and not see Jack Coletto out there. Um, he's essentially, uh, you know, a folk hero to, to us in college football who watch him, you know, line up the quarterback, fullback, tight end, linebacker. It would be, you know, a shame if he's not able to get out there in such a big game where the country could actually, you know, see how versatile he is. So, you know, health is a huge issue going into this game. Um, I, I also think that, you know, the matchup between Oregon's offense and Oregon State's defense is, is a huge storyline. Uh, a lot of people don't recognize that this could be the best defense in the Pac-12 against an offense that has been at the top and near the top of the Pac-12 uh, all season long. So I think that matchup is really, really good and should be fun to watch. Yeah, Rod Gilmore, our guest here on the Joe Beaver Show. I was You, you kind of took my question away, but we can expand on it, and that is what has jumped off of film as you've watched Oregon State. You mentioned the defense. Do you think that Ben Branson, he's 5-1 and, and and slowly making steps forward each game, is enough with an Oregon State offense that is good and healthy in every other respect? Well, I would assume going in that Oregon State doesn't want this to be a shootout and try and you know win a 45 to 42 game. Um, I think they would want their their defense to kind of control the game, um, if at all possible. Uh, Goldbrunson has has been remarkable to me. I I saw his first game in person as a starter uh, against Stanford, and I was just amazed at how unflappable he was throughout that game, particularly in the last two minutes of the game. And so he may be a redshirt freshman, you know, third year, inexperienced guy, but he is um, cool and calm and savvy as if he's been a starter for three seasons. Um, so I think, you know, when you, when you play the Oregon defense, it begins up front. It's can you handle uh, that front that they have? And most teams have tried to approach that by, by running at them and getting the ball out quickly. So we'll, we'll see if that's the Oregon State approach uh, to dealing with them. The weakness, obviously, for Oregon State has been on the back end of their defense. If you saw the Washington game, you know what I'm talking about. But that defense stepped up last week against Utah. Uh, they played very well. Bennett Williams had probably the game of his career. And uh, it's generally foolish to throw in the, rec- the direction of Christian Gonzalez. So I, I, those matchups are going to be a challenge. Uh, we'll see, uh, but I would expect that there's going to be a heavy dose 
of uh, Oregon State tight ends and Oregon State's uh, Martinez in the backfield. And, you know, Oregon State does a really nice job offensively with, you know, the tight ends and the eye candy and the motion to make the defense kind of lose focus on what they should be looking at. So all those things are going to be important, and we'll see. But I, I would expect this to be um, a little bit more heavy reliance on the Oregon State defense and not to have the game plan B. Let's have our quarterback throw it 40, 45 times. Rod Gilmore joining us for a few more minutes. ABC and ESPN college football analyst. The game is on ABC Saturday at 1230 kick at Research Stadium. Just to hear you talk about the Oregon State defense, Rod, I'm, I know you've seen the Beavers. You see all the teams off and on through the years in your work. But what Trent Bray is a D coordinator, I'm just curious, you as a defensive guy yourself, what you see from what Trent has done and, and what he does defensively and how the Beavers have made such a huge jump. What have you seen go on with Beaver defense under his tutelage? Well, we had one of his first games last season after he was named the new defensive coordinator. And you could see immediately uh, the switch to a team being you know, a little bit more aggressive and a little bit less complicated on the back end instead of trying to play a lot of different coverages, uh, instead trying to be focused on the coverages that they, they play well, and to you know have the guys have to worry about less. And I think that's, that's been effective. They've been very aggressive. Uh, it's not a team that gets a lot of sacks, but that doesn't mean that you aren't affecting the quarterback and you aren't knocking down the run game with run blitzes. So I think that's been a different approach uh, since he's been there. I think the guys have bought in. Uh, the other thing that is very, very clear, uh, and I've only gone through a couple of uh, recent games on coaches' tape, but on those two tapes, it's very clear that this is a really good tackling team. You don't see a lot of missed tackles. You see excellent pursuit angle, angles to get to the ball, to get to the ball carrier. And, um, you know, the guys who are there first get their hands on and try to wrap up. A lot of guys have a tendency to try to block uh, ball carriers down. These guys are trying to get their hands on them, and they get support immediately from other players. So it's a good tackling defense. And I don't think you could have said that, um, you know, the first half, the first three quarters of the last season. No, you couldn't. <laughs> Rod, it's not easy to get a guy like you so here in, in this smaller market, so i got to kind of cover other things. And I wanted to ask you, you've been around for a long time playing for Stanford back uh, way You're back in the probably old. It's true, no, I am. <laughs> you, only, only a few years older than me. I have <laughs> utmost respect for you. And, but as a guy like Mike and myself, we've been around this, this conference for the better part of 40, 50 years. What did yeah. you make of the summer news, and what do you think about it where it is now and how important is it for Stanford and Cal and Oregon State and Washington State to make sure that this conference stays alive? Well, there are just so many issues facing uh, the Pac-12 and, and teams like Oregon State, Cal and Stanford in particular. Um, you know, it, it's really unclear uh, what's going to happen going forward. I, you know, the UCLA-USC move uh, caught a lot of people in the conference by surprise. And, you know, can the conference hang together going forward? A lot of that depends on the amount of the TD money uh, that they're able to, um, to gain in the next contract. Um, so that's something that we, we just don't know. But the other thing that's an issue out there, besides realignment, is, you know, transfer portal and name, image, and likeness. It's very clear that that's a heavy direction. Now, your teams like Oregon State and Cal and Stanford – 
in particular have been developmental programs where, you know, you can find a guy who's a three-star or two-star, and you can project that, you know, if you put some weight on him and you get some experience, you know, he's going to be a really, really good player for you by the time he's a junior, excellent by the time he's a senior. Well, the mo- that model is, is kind of going by the wayside. The more coaches I talk to, a lot of these places that have done it that way have said they can't afford to do that anymore, not with the portal and not with the limited amount of time that they have to get things done. That instead of offering 20, 25 scholarships to high school guys, they're going to cut those in half and instead get the other half to guys in the transfer portal. And that means that your elite high school guys, your four stars, your five stars, they're still going to get offers. But those three stars or two stars who you can project as will be good players down the line, they won't get those offers. It's a drastic change. And, you know, if you step back from it, you you take the big picture look and you go, is this the way you want college football to go? Do you want it to become more of a mercenary sport or transactional where you go and find guys to see if they fit for a year or two versus the way it's been long term, which is, Let's bring in 17, 18-year-olds and um, have them give an education, play good football, and grow as uh, young men and, and become, you know, full-fledged, functioning adults who contribute to society, uh, you know, a broader purpose in mind. And we, we may be moving away from that. And so that's going to be a bigger problem, I think, if you are Oregon State, Stanford, Cal, Washington State, and you try to compete with the big boys for the elite transfers out there uh, you know I, I don't know how it's going to work out but it is it's a concern it's a major concern absolutely and your own alma mater and the great david shaw you know you have to you have to get in and play that game and how do you do that at stanford with the admission standards and the way david's always built a program i i don't know do you think rod he's got a it traditionally doesn't take transfers that really maybe one or two in his whole time there does he have to, I mean, do the methods have to change for, for your alma mater, in your opinion? Well, it's it's not a David Shaw issue. It's right. a Stanford University issue, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, it's only recently that Stanford has started to allow a limited number of early um, admissions for guys to come in halfway through their, you know, their high school year, where that's a normal thing for yeah freshmen to show up in January. Stanford just recently, in the last couple of years, started to allow a limited number of that on a trial basis. So you know, Stanford's been way behind on that. So Stanford typically, you know, they've not been able to have freshmen ready to go and ready to play uh, come September because they show up in July and August. <laughs> so that's a big difference. And as far as transfers go, you know, I think if I have the numbers correctly, university-wide, Stanford has only allowed about 50 transfers total each year. Uh, and so for the university to get on board with the notion that maybe one or two transfers uh, isn't enough for football and that the process and procedure has to change, and that's at the level of the board of trustees. They have to look at it and decide that's okay mm-hmm. and worth it. So I'm not sure how that's going to go. I'm not sure how it's going to go with the concept of Hey, name, image, and likeness, and let's do all we can to support um, football players and men's basketball, women's basketball. Stanford has always had the approach of, you know, sports equity. It is 
every athlete on campus should be treated the same, no matter what the sport is, and the money should be allocated accordingly. Well, we're in the free market system now in college athletics, and the sports equity approach may not may not carry the day anymore when you've got players who have opportunities at other schools to uh, get more playing time and get six figures of money. Yes. It's a big change. So I, I don't know. I wish I had the answer, but I think Stanford is wrestling with how mm-hmm. to go forward. And I know, I also know that California's yeah. you know, wrestling with it, having spent time talking to Justin Wilcox about how he's got to change things there, and the administration has to get on board with it. So yeah. there, there are a lot of schools that have to figure that out. Major issues. Rod, the final thing, and appreciate your time, but I loved your participation and the very fact you chose to participate, unlike your former teammate John Elway, who declined to be interviewed for the ESPN E60 documentary, The Band is on the Field. Two weeks ago, we had uh, Joe Starkey and Ted Robinson and Barry Tompkins and others sharing their thoughts about the play. You you are a big part of the documentary. You were kind enough with your time and breaking it down. How did you feel ESPN captured on E60 the play, the band is on the field, the overall flow of that documentary? Well, well, two things. First, uh, I got to defend my guy, John Elway. Okay. Uh, he's, 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 a, he's a good friend. He was an absolutely wonderful teammate. Um, and maybe the public doesn't know that. And there could be any number of reasons as to why, you know, okay. he didn't participate. Yeah. Uh, the, the second thing is uh, I have no idea how much or what portion they used in the documentary. They asked me to sit for an interview that was probably 45 minutes to an hour. And because of my schedule, <laughs> I haven't had a chance to see okay. the full episode okay. yet. I do have uh, a video of it. Uh, they did send me a link for it. But, um, you know, with, with the games and travel and everything going on, I, I, I've, not, I've not watched it yet. So <laughs> I'm not sure how it plays or what it looks like. But um, I have had you know, a number of uh, former teammates and friends reach out and say, you know, it was, it was as fair as it could be. You know, mm-hmm. um, I, I think from what I hear, most folks would like to have heard a definitive statement that Dwight Garner's uh, knee was down, right. and that uh, the the lateral at the end was definitively <laughs> a forward lateral. But you know, right. listen. In the, it, it, at the end of the day, that situation, that game, that play, it's iconic. It was great for college football. It was great for the rivalry. And not not so great for the 115, 20 players and staff members in that stadium that day. I'm glad you took John's in that the way the way the documentary, I will just say this, the way it flows out, they end sort of with John's statement about you made the game was a mockery or something to that effect. The officials ruined my last day as a college football player. They have that quote. Then they follow that with John declined to be interviewed for this documentary. So the juxtaposition of those two things, Rod, makes it sound like he's everlastingly bitter about it and refused to talk about it. I think you're saying there may be more to it than that. Well, listen, I can tell you that, um, you know, all of us, uh, including John, you know, we we get together on a regular basis, you know, on a, a, you know, for golfing events Mm -hmm. and the like. And that game and that play is just not one of the topics that come up. <laughs> okay. Maybe it is over at Cal, but you know, yeah. we, we got we got road bowls to talk about. We got all kinds of other things. So <laughs> that one doesn't come up. <laughs> I got you. Rod, thank you so much for making time for us. We're glad you're coming back. 
to Corvallis. Uh, haven't seen you here for a while. We look forward to seeing you at Reeser on Saturday. And thanks for your uh, what, perspective. One quick question for you. Yeah. One quick, what can I expect in terms of the environment? I know about the remodel and mm-hmm. you know, only 26,000 will be there or so. So what should I expect in terms of the way the environment will be there? Loud for the 28,000. It'll be yes. 28, uh, close, pushing 29, as many standing room as possible. So it'll be 28 mm-hmm. plus, no matter what they list as capacity. They'll push that. It'll be very, the students will get there way early, and it's an early game, but they'll be there in big numbers an hour before kickoff, lining up, trying to make life hard on Oregon as Oregon warms up, and, et cetera. And one, one thing, the, the press area yeah. that we all are at is low. It's Rod. lower than ever. So it's hard yeah. to see far away at the other ends of each, you know, each ends of the field. But uh, but because your television, Rod, you guys get the 50-yard line. We radio folks are relegated <laughs> down to about the 20. And I will say the depth perception is a little difficult. You'll find that Roxy made some comment about, hey, I've never been this low uh, for a game before. So that will require an adjustment. But you and Dave will make it. And Tiffany will be, will be much closer to you on the sideline than in any other game you've probably broadcasted. <laughs> Well, it'll it'll be fun, and uh, yeah. we're looking forward to it. Can't wait to get there. Thank you so much, Rod. We appreciate it. Thank you. Take care. Rod Gilmore, our guest. <laughs> I'm glad he took up for Elway on that yeah. little point because, yeah, because it, the way you, they made it yeah. sound like, ah, I'm bitter. They yeah. ruined my last college football game. Uh, John Elway declined to be interviewed yeah. for this. You'd go away thinking, oh, yeah, oh. yeah he, he, he's never gotten over it, but who knows? It may not be that way. We'll take a break, wrap up the show for today and for the week. Any last thoughts on what Rod said and what Bill Oram said? Texts, calls down the stretch, 497-5356-1240, Joe Radio. Stargazer Premier Florist knows that the holiday season is a special time with special meaning and that a meaningful gift can brighten someone's day and leave them feeling appreciated for any occasion. Choose from Stargazer Premier Florist's wide selection of fresh floral arrangements, bountiful bouquets, gift baskets, and houseplants always delivered fresh with a focus on keeping families and friends connected. Stop in, call, or view Stargazer's selection online at StargazerPremierFlorist.com. Stargazer Premier Florist, 920. Northwest Circle Boulevard in Corvallis. Hey everyone, if you're looking for an appliance like a refrigerator or a freezer or dishwasher, cooking appliances, washers and dryers, or an appliance accessory, contact Kellenberger Appliance in Lebanon. The best place to buy appliances at 21 Main Street in Lebanon. They offer install and delivery on the product they sell like Whirlpool, Frigidaire, Maytag, Speed Queen. They even offer service on most major brands. Kellenberger Appliance at 21 Main Street in Lebanon and on the web at kellenbergers.com. The outside to the left, and jogs in. Touchdown, Beavers! It takes a team effort to score a touchdown. The same is true if you need some advice with personal or business tax planning, monthly business bookkeeping, or just need some help with strategy. With over 45 years in business, the coaching staff at Tax and Wealth Management in Corvallis can help. See David Mendenhall, Bill Heck, or Robert Berry. They have the experience you need to execute the game plan and score a touchdown every time. Visit taxandwealthmanagement.com and get into the game. Touchdown! What's your power like today? Are you driving a powerful vehicle or are you just getting there? Fall and winter is coming and Power Honda in Albany has the CRV, Pilot, HRV, Odyssey, Passport SUVs, Ridgeline trucks, and over a thousand pre-owned vehicles to choose from to help you get to where you're going this fall and winter. So come experience the power at Power Honda in Albany or go to mypowerhonda.com. 
If you have a tenant who has missed a rent payment, have an unmet maintenance need, or need to address a rule violation, don't wait. Mediate. If you know you won't be able to make your rent this month, don't wait. Mediate. Hi, this is Jared from Neighbor to Neighbor. We offer free mediation services to both landlords and tenants. The court process can be complicated, time-intensive, and expensive, but it doesn't have to be. If you need some assistance in communicating with your landlord or tenant, email me at weren2n at gmail.com. That's weren, the number 2n, at gmail.com. Don't wait. Mediate. Does your financial advisor take the time to really listen to you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situation change? Hi, I'm former Oregon State athlete Tim Ewis, your Corvallis Edward Jones financial advisor. When we work together, we'll focus on what's important to you. We'll use an established process to create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And we'll partner to help your strategy stay on track. Contact me today, 541-758-8. Two four five Edward Jones, member SIPC. So the wife rolls into the living room. Honey, you need to get off of the couch and get busy on that list of projects I have for you. And I says to her, but I don't have all the equipment. Oh, she rattles off. That's no excuse. You can rent all the tools and equipment you need from with Rental. And since they're open seven days a week, you can go out there today. All right already. Darn you, Philomath Rental. Philomath Rental, behind Landmark Realty, one and a half miles west of the Sunset Shopping Center. Tools and equipment for farm, home, and business. Unified Insurance Group is your local independent insurance agency in Corvallis. They represent numerous insurance companies and specialize in auto, home, and business insurance. See Mike Eves, Taylor Starr, and Tom Worth. They'll help find an insurance plan that works best for you. If you're looking for auto, home, or business insurance, See the Unified Insurance Group, 320 Southwest 3rd Street in downtown Corvallis. They're your hometown team, always putting you first. Have you been putting off that remodeling project? Have you finally decided to take a leap and get it done? For over 30 years, people in the Mid-Valley have been going to Corvallis Floor Covering. Stop by and browse through their large showroom with a wide variety of carpet, countertops, wood and vinyl flooring and window coverings from all the popular brands that you know, love and gotta have. They're on the corner of 2nd and Van Buren downtown or log on to CorvallisFloorCovering.com. Shop local, shop Corvallis Floor Covering and go Beebs. Down the stretch. I, I, I got to say, I'm, I'm, I'm real pleased going back to Bill Orm's conversation. Mm-hmm. And I look forward to the article tomorrow because I like to see that, that Tristan's getting some reps. Yes. And I don't know what the physical situation is and why he couldn't maybe get more or that they could let him loose and throw downfield. <clears throat> but um, that's, that's, a, a, that's a good thing for him to get some reps. And an even better thing, as suggested from the upcoming article, he's okay with it. Uh, you don't see that much anymore, especially in this day and age of the easy transfer, the portal. Yeah, and, and Rod Gilmore did a nice job touching on all of that and the realities, the constraints of all of that. Yeah. Uh, John Wilner, if you are a subscriber to the hotline, this just posted a little while ago. We won't have time to read it here. But the headline of his latest post, a note of thanks. Wazoo and OSU thrive. Oregon's tough stretch. Bowl scenarios. Teacup history. Territorial cup history. Okay. Yeah. MBB woes and more. That's his latest piece on the hotline. I can't wait to go home and read it. Tomorrow... I'm not going to say that this will necessarily fall under woes. In fact, I'm really 
intrigued, excited to see tomorrow's game between the young and rebuilding Oregon State Beaver men's basketball team and the Duke Blue Devils. Mm-hmm. We had Lindsay Chanel on a couple of weeks ago, and she said, oh, I feel bad for that. <laughs> well, talking to Tyler Billado yesterday and Eric Reveno and Dwayne Tinkle, all of the pregame shows, that's why yeah. I left early and you and TJ what did allowed, Rev say? allowed me to. Rev, having gone up against him regularly when he was at Georgia Tech in the mm-hmm. ACC, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're pretty good. They're everything, that, everything you want to see in a true program. It's a great program. And he said the Cameron crate, you know, the indoor, he said that whole scene there is just incredible. And so the Beavers, while not at Cameron Indoor, they're at, I'm looking forward to this too, John. It's been yeah. a long time since I've been in the Portland Memorial Coliseum. I wish I could go. I just, I, I want to go Friday. I'd love to go to the old MC and see a basketball game. I think it's a 12-10 tip. So we'll have time to breathe with all of the interviews on Thanksgiving Day tomorrow, 11.30 airtime here on 1240 Joe Radio. Basketball again on Friday, likely, unless the Beavs can pull the miraculous upset, but likely a 2.30 airtime on Friday against either Xavier or Florida. Saturday football, you get started at 8.30 right here? 8.30 in the morning on Saturday from the Beaver store. They open at 9. We'll be in there for the first half hour by ourselves. Okay, excellent. ton of text today. Still... Unread. We'll get to them on Yeah, Monday. we get to it. Yeah, this is it. We'll have plenty of time, we hope, to dive into Monday reaction to the 126th and your texts on today's themes. Thank you for joining us. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. See you tomorrow at the Coliseum. KEJO Corvallis. And translator. K2290I Corvallis. The home of the Beavers. 1240.